Break the Cycle with DSD, episode number 13. Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com slash DSD and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs, download a title free, and start listening. It really is that easy. Go to audibletrial.com slash DSD. Welcome to Break the Cycle with DSD. I'm your host, Dwayne, and in this show, I help you break the cycle of emotional abuse and help you get your life back. The information in this show is my opinion and for informational educational purposes only. Please consult a medical or psychological professional before making any changes that could affect your mental health. In today's episode, we're going to discuss closure and how difficult it is to basically find that and get that when you're dealing with a toxic ex. Welcome back to another episode of Break the Cycle with DSD. Today's topic is going to be about closure and trying to find it when you're dealing with a toxic ex. One of the things that really is difficult when we're going through this is to try to wrap our head around everything that's going on and to basically find closure. One of the things that you'll notice is that your toxic ex is not going to give you that and the way that they typically discard you, it's so abrupt and final that it, it leaves you really trying to understand what exactly happened, what's going on, how your relationship could mean effectively nothing, and how you can continue, well, not continue to go on, but how you can figure things out. One of the problems is, is that, like I mentioned earlier, is that they will not give you closure. The one of the, the, well, not one of the things. I mean, the, the main point of that is while you're sitting there reeling from the, the failure, for lack of a better word, of your relationship, you're also trying to question what happened. Now, in my situation, and maybe you can relate to this, 21 years of marriage as it was falling apart you're try I was sitting there trying to make sense of it and the problem was is that it didn't make any sense and then when the discard happens and, and effectively what I'm saying and, and and let me just pause for a moment because discard can take can manifest itself in a couple of different ways the the more traditional way or the way we normally think of it is is the person has replaced you with someone else they the relationship's over and in one minute, their love they they profess you know they profess their love for you, and how important the relationship is. And in the very next instance, when they finally realize that they don't need you, want you, you're not feeling that filling that need anymore. In an instant, they're able to switch that or flip that switch to where they don't feel anything for you anymore. And, you know, typically what happens is, is they've, they've broken up with you, they found someone else, and you're sitting there going, wait a minute, yesterday we were madly in love with each other, even if we did have some issues, but the relationship was solid. And now I've been replaced with something else, and they don't, it's like I never existed. And, th- and that's really the hard part about it, is, is that you, <laughs> you're basically treated like a non-human and like you never existed. Now, that's the one avenue of it. And that isn't exactly the situation that uh, I was in because I'm the one who actually left. Now, it can still be difficult in that, in that other situation because 
Still, whenever they flip the switch to where you no longer have any value anymore, it doesn't make sense. Now, in my situation, I knew that the, well, I could see that the relationship was falling apart. And I just wanted to have an opportunity to have a good life. I didn't want to live the same way I was living before. I didn't understand what I was dealing with. I I was completely wrong. In my mind, I thought that effectively she wanted somebody else but wasn't willing to say it. Uh, she was saying it with all with with actions and without words, but I assumed that okay, I was easy and I was convenient, which was true, and that the next part of it is, is that she really wanted something different. So that's what I thought was going on. I I wasn't you know wasn't wasn't really sure, but whenever I no longer had any value, it flipped in an instant. And that 21 years of marriage and relationship and, and uh, you know, a friendship, which I thought we had. And, and to be honest, I, my hope in that situation is that we were going to be able to, you know, in the relationship as friends, be able to co-parent our children and try to seek out, you know, whatever the heck it was that both of us were looking for in our lives. Now, that isn't what happened. Um, and then most of you in this situation, what you, the way you perceive things or the way you think things are going to go, it typically doesn't work out that way. Uh, partly is because we're living in this illusion and we think we understand what's going on, but we really don't. We really haven't really processed because we haven't been forced to yet the reality that the relationship effectively meant nothing. It wasn't a real, genuine relationship. It was a relationship of convenience. It was, you were providing, you know, we were providing something of value, basically narcissistic supply. We were making their life comfortable. We were giving them money. We were, you know, giving them attention, you know, whatever the heck it is that's driving your narcissistic ex that is what was fueling the relationship. Now, in a normal relationship, you know, there is a connection. Now, you may drift off into different areas, you know, in different avenues of your life. You may decide, you know, one person decides to go left, the other person decides to go right. And as a result of that, you know, you, you, the relationship isn't compatible anymore. You're both going in different directions. But with real genuine people, you can sit there and you can have a conversation. You can reflect on the past. You can even actually sit there and say, yes, we did have a good relationship. It was good. We're just going in two different directions, but we still care about each other. We still want the best for each other. And we understand that that now we have two different goals, right? Now, that, that's a way to get closure in a normal relationship. And and if you've had other relationships, you probably have experienced that. You probably had those conversations whenever the breakup happened to where it was more, uh, I don't know if mutual is the right word, but understand, uh, you know, understood of what was going on and you get closure. The problem with a toxic, narcissistic type relationship and breakup is you don't get that. And as I was talking about earlier on in, in this podcast, what happens is, is as soon as you, 
you are no longer of any value or as soon as they realize that they do not have to pretend, they don't have to continue the manipulation, that, that you are not, no longer are not able to give them what they want, it's over. And it happens quick. It's one of those things where they can still be pretending one moment, and as soon as that bit flips, for those computer guys out there, it, it's, it's like you never existed. It's you are a pile of, car, a pile of garbage, a piece of trash, um, not, even, you know, not even a piece of trash that's worthy of being you know, picked up and thrown away. It's just discarded as in like, oh, I don't need this anymore. It's no big deal, and you move on to the next thing. Now, here's the thing that there's a couple, no, I, there, I'm going to go through a lot of this and there's going to be a bunch of these couple of parts of this. Now, I was mentioning before about the two different ways that a relationship can fall apart. Either they, they discard you or you finally get to the point that you set a boundary that gets pushed and you finally say, okay, enough is enough. I can't deal. I'm not going to deal with this anymore. This isn't, this isn't the way I'm going to live my life. Now, some people can come up to that resol- uh, that realization, not resolution, that realization rather quickly. You know, if you've, if you've grown up with good boundaries and uh, good healthy role models, you may recognize problems within your relationship rather quickly. And when that happens, you probably are going to say, no, this isn't right. If, however, you have grown up with unhealthy examples or boundaries, that timeline is probably going to take a significantly longer amount of time. And in this, what we're talking about, that was my situation. That's what happened with me. I, I didn't have good boundaries growing up. I didn't have uh, a healthy upbringing. My family of origin was uh, basically toxic. And as a result of that, when things started to shift in my marriage, which happened rather quickly, it was one of those things where we met dated for a short amount of time, decided to get married within a few months. In my particular story, uh, I joined the Air Force, uh, went off to to basic training and to my technical school, and uh, that happened uh, rather quickly. I mean, we started dating. I think our first date was in September. I went in the Air Force in November, and we were married the following year in uh, April. Um, So that was only a couple of months where we were actually physically together. The rest of it was long distance, and then she moved out to... Um, Biloxi, Mississippi, at Keesler Air Force Base, where that's where we got married. I mean, so it was a rather quick, quick situation. When things started to degrade, I wasn't, I wasn't able to, to really look at that and go, oh, crap, there's something wrong here. I was so fixated on what the illusion of this relationship was and what I hoped it would be that I ignored all, I ignored all of those things. Now, my point on that is, is that you have those two different scenarios. You have the scenario to where you re- you recognize it. Well, you recognize it. I think in both scenarios, we both recognize it. But you recognize it. And if you have healthy boundaries, you end the relationship sooner. If you don't, you still may recognize it. But then it feels comfortable and you're like, well, okay, this is, you know, you, know, you, you make excuses. And the next thing you know, <laughs> two decades fly by and you're still living in the same lather, rinse, and repeat scenario where it's the same toxic environment. Okay, this goes back to what uh, the topic of this podcast is, and it's about closure. And 
that is one of the hardest things about this is because whenever the relationship finally ends for whatever reason, I mentioned earlier, the, you know, two different scenarios on that before, is you don't get that closure for what the relationship is. And because typically what happens is, is it a smear campaign and uh, basically narcissistic rages and attacks commence and it blows your mind because in your mind, you're thinking that you had this relationship, there was some value into it, you both actually did mean something to each other. Typically, everyone has their own issues, but you didn't do anything really horrific, more than likely. That's typically what happens in our situations. And you're not looking at it thinking, okay, well, something really bad happened. You're looking at it that, okay, you went either way. Now, let me back up for a second, because in a situation where something did bad, you know, did happen that was bad, like they cheated on you or whatever, you're still going to go through this same process to where you're looking at it going, well, wait a minute, you know, we had a relationship, we had a connection, we really cared about each other, we were happy, so you think. Then in an instant, you don't mean anything. In an instant, you are the enemy, you are a toxic abuser, you made their life a living hell, you were never there for them, you were verbally abusive, you were physically, you know, whatever the scenario is, they are going to basically completely smear you, take everything that's happened in the amount of time that you had in the relationship, blow it completely out of proportion to, to support their narrative and their victim status. And you're going to be sitting there going, what in the world just happened? What am I, you know, what, what ha- I mean, this doesn't make any sense that I'm not that person. She or he isn't the person they're portraying themselves to be. And you are just devastated because you're just at a loss of even how you ended up in this situation. So here's the thing that you really need to understand right up front. You are never going to be able to get closure from a toxic narcissistic ex. They are never going to accept any responsibility for what happened in the relationship. You're never going to be able to have a conversation to really try to reminisce or basically close things up with them. It just isn't going to happen. They're not going to give it to you primarily because one of the things you have to realize is everything with them is manipulation and illusion. When they realize they no longer need anything from you and you are the enemy, then First, their narrative of victim status, if they fix that, or in other words, if they are able to communicate with you and give you closure and, and be basically normal, it, it doesn't fit the, the narrative that they're saying that you are an abuser and they are the victim because that's not the way it works, right? They, they are going to smear you to make them the victim, you the bad guy, do everything in their power to turn everyone against you. And if you're able to get to, you know, if you're able to communicate and be friendly with the other person, then why wouldn't other people be able to do the same thing? And that's, so that's the first part of this. The second part of this is that they don't need anything from you anymore, right? They've gotten everything they need. And more than likely now what they're trying to do is they're trying to get more from you, whether that is money, physical assets, or time with your children. And they're going to accomplish that in a couple of different ways. One is to beat you down so much that you're either scared to to confront it or attack it because 
you're just like, oh my God, you know, this person is trying to destroy me. So look, you know, some people just go, hey, you know what? You win, take everything, go away, have a nice life, leave me alone. The second part of it is if there's kids involved, they're trying to get as much custody as possible because custody is control. Anything towards 50-50 or equal parenting or shared parenting means that they have to cooperate with you and that you have a say in what's going to happen. If they can destroy that or have complete control, then they get to decide everything. They get to decide where the kids are going to school, where they're going to live, what, you know, what after school activities, what religious activities, all those different things. So destroying you to either make you run away and leave or to prove to the court that you're a piece of garbage that doesn't deserve or shouldn't be around or should, you know, the children should be protected from you is in their best interest for two things. One, it gives them that control of the kids. And the, the next part of that is it gives them more money because unfortunately in the family court system today, time is money. So the more time you have with your children, the more money you're either going to get or the less money you're going to pay. It's, it's plain and simple, which is a horrible system because it basically incentivizes these attacks and this, this game for your long-term financial, financial security. You know, in a, in a normal situation, two parents are going to be able to cooperate and, uh, look, you know, work together to try to come up with a solution and be fair. Somebody who's not interested in that is going to be looking at how do I destroy the other person? And, and, and this is, it this doesn't matter whether it's the mom or the dad, whoever the narcissistic toxic person is, is going to do everything in their power to destroy the other person to have the advantage. Now, again, rolling this back into closure, when you're sitting there in, the, in a failed relationship and you're trying to make sense of it, and then you go through these attacks, that also interrupts closure. And, and I'll give you, a, a, I mean, I guess a story or an example of my situation. You know, I was really sad whenever my marriage was falling apart. I knew it wasn't going to work. I was sad. I was trying to deal with the emotions of that. And then, and I mean, guys, I mean, just, to, you know, full disclosure, I'm the one who left. I'm the one that filed. I, you know, I was the one who decided that I needed an opportunity. I deserved an opportunity to find happiness and to find peace. And it was obvious through the failed marriage counseling that we were trying to do that, that it wasn't going to happen. So, um, and I know I've told this story before, so I don't, I don't necessarily need to go into a lot of detail, but the thing is, is that, you know, when you're sitting there and you're trying to process your relationship and you know you're going through the stages of grief and all that different stuff to to process your 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 feelings at the time the second it turns into a attack a character assassination where you are worried about losing your children where you are lear- worried about losing your career where you're worried about losing your freedom you don't have time to sit there and worry about closure on your relationship. You're in this fight or flight mode trying to save yourself, trying to mitigate the damage that's happening to make sure that you're not completely destroyed. And and that's the other situation that happened with me is that I was going through that you know, going through that grief process and then all of a sudden I'm I'm hearing these 
these things from my attorney and these stories are coming up from, from mutual friends who are telling me what's going on. And I'm just like, holy crap, are you kidding me? And most of the time you're sitting there and you're being falsely accused and you're like, oh, you know, I mean, it's just, it blows your mind and you're just like completely shell-shocked. You can't imagine that somebody that you loved and cared about would have, would think so low of you or not even care what they were doing for their own personal gain. Now, this rolls into the next part of this, which is when you're trying to get closure from somebody who's a narcissistic personality type is they don't care about you. You mean nothing to them. Whereas prior to this happening, you they still meant something to you. You were not in the process of trying to destroy them. You still care about them. Yeah, you might realize that the relationship isn't working. And I don't know how many people I've talked to over the last couple of years of just this channel, not including the other people I've known in my personal life, where even when a relationship is falling apart, there's still a connection and still... You know, you still worry and you're concerned for the person and you want the best for it. Even if you were you were um, cheated on or, or, you know, something bad happened, you still don't want, you know, the worst thing to happen to your ex, at least in the beginning. I mean, as this progresses on, uh, the hurt and the anger will really, you know, start to corrupt you because it's just it's it's just so hard to 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 deal with the betrayal of this. And I'm not talking about a betrayal of, you know, somebody cheating on you. It's just the betrayal of you cared about somebody, you thought they cared about you, and now in your face being demonstrated to you in real time, you realize, holy crap, this person doesn't give a damn about me and they will do everything in their power to destroy my life is what you're thinking, which is, I mean, effectively, that is actually true. Now, another little note, I just want to pause for a moment and just say, if you're dealing with somebody like this and they do not need you employed or out of jail, be very careful because in that situation, it's in their best interest to do everything to destroy you, to put, to basically put you um, in that situation are basically to put you in a situation to where you're dealing with criminal charges or domestic violence charges or or whatever because if you're fighting that you don't have the energy or you're not your resources are going to be fighting to keep you out of jail and to keep your career going as opposed to fighting for custody right again that rolls into a thing that a normal person wouldn't do this to someone else for their own personal gain now, unfortunately, because of the situation we're in, more than likely, you've experienced this where you've realized that, that this toxic person will do everything in their power to destroy you for their own personal gain. You know, the sad part is, is people who haven't been through this, they don't think it's possible. I mean, no one's going to lie about this. Nobody's going to make this stuff up. Nobody, nobody is going to turn around, make up a story just to destroy someone's character for their own personal gain. Who does that, Right that most people who have never experienced this, that's what they're going to think. The The sad part about that is, is then they, they tend to believe what your ex is trying to sell, which is what they're trying to say, that you're a horrible person, that, well, you just don't know. You just don't know what they are like behind closed doors. And, and guys, this doesn't matter whether you're the guy saying this or the woman saying this. Now, the sad part is, is what I'm saying right now, it kind of fits right into it, right? Because then it's a he sheds, a, a he said, 
she said, easy for me to say, meaning, you know, I mean, here I am telling you a story about what's happened, which it's like the law on the same lines. So I'm, you know, I'm, you know, she's saying crappy stuff about me. I'm trying to defend myself saying, well, you don't understand what I had to deal with. And it's, it's just a complete mess. Again, let's roll this back into closure. What I, what I was just talking about right there, that's a whole other different thing that I've talked about in the, in the past. And, and just quickly on this, and I, I've made videos on this on the YouTube channel, if you haven't seen that, where honestly trying to fight flying monkeys in those accusations, for the most part, it's a waste of time. And typically what happens is we get so emotionally wrapped into it that we lose our credibility because we come, we come off unhinged when we're trying to defend ourselves. And it, I mean, it's really tough, you know, I mean, and I think what'll happen is, is as you're going through this, you're going to realize that, that, you know, your real friends are going to believe you. Your non, you know, the people who aren't really your friends aren't going to believe you. And people who are just confused are just going to be confused on what to believe. And typically what happens is, is we come across unhinged because we can't believe the accusations and the crap that's being said about us, whereas they are fine-tuning their message, and they're able to play that victim card. They're able to to articulate it in a way and make it sound like they're, they're you know, they're this, this, this struggling victim who's been able to overcome and set their boundaries and hold the other person accountable and all that stuff, which unfortunately, when you compare it to what we're trying to do, when you're trying to defend yourself in this panic mode, you, you come across where you start hurting your own credibility, where, you know, realistically you're in a better situation if you just basically say, you know what, actions and words, um, you know, I don't know. The ex is saying all kinds of weird stuff that never happened. You know, people do that. I don't really, you know, I don't know why. I mean, we all know why, but you don't want to get in there saying, well, my, you know, ex is this and my ex is that. Okay. Let me get back on track because that, I, and, and I'll, maybe I'll make another a podcast talking about that specifically, but when you're trying to get closure from this, you don't get any opportunity to do it because you go from the initial part of it where you're being discarded, then you're being slandered, and the smear campaign is going on, and then you're in a situation where you're basically fighting for your life, so you don't even have an opportunity to really try to to process what's happening to you. And then as it goes on, your brain is still trying to rationalize what happened. Now, for me, this drove me insane for, well, okay, maybe that's a little rough. It was driving me crazy. Let me just say that. I mean, emotionally, I was having a really hard time with all this. I didn't understand what was going on. My brain was looking for a reason. It was like, why is this happening? This doesn't make sense. I was married for X amount of years. You know, we had this history. How in the world is this the reality? The problem is, is that you're sitting there trying to process it and you can't get an answer because it doesn't make sense. It's, it's not, it's not something that most people has, have ever experienced in their life. There's no frame of reference for it. There's no, I mean, until, well, let me back up. There's no frame of reference for it. You're sitting there trying to beat your head in the ground, trying to figure it out. And you're wanting some type of closure. I, I remember at one point, and I, this was not a proud moment. Um, I had actually sent a, a letter or an email, not a letter, an, an email to my ex. This is, you know, early in my relationship with, with Debbie, basically saying to the ex, you know, if you ever thought that you were trying to communicate something to me, I'm not hearing it. If there was ever a time that you, you know, if you think this, and I feel bad about even talking about this, 
but it's like, if you, if you think that you're saying something to me, I don't, you know, this is what I think, this is what I've heard that you don't care about me. The relationship meant nothing, you know, yada, yada. The sad part about that in my mind, I was still looking for closure. You know, it wasn't that I was wanting that email to say, the response back to say, oh, no, I, I really care about you. I love you. And, I, you know, this, this was so stupid. It's a big misunderstanding. We can work it out. That's not, in my mind, that's not what I was really expecting. And, uh, you know, to be uh, you know, full disclosure, I actually shared that email with Debbie. And, and, and if you listen to what I'm saying, it's pretty obvious the way it sounds. What the way that email sounded was, and and I and I hate to even say this, but I mean this is the reality of it, guys. I mean this is, this is the real world, and this is the type of stuff that we struggle with. And the way it sounded is that I wanted her back, and I was saying, hey, I'm getting ready to 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 progress on with this new relationship, and. You know, if if you're thinking that there's every chance that we could get back together, you need to say something. Now, that's not really, in my mind, what I was looking for. I mean, maybe subconsciously it was partly that. I just wanted closure. I wanted something to say, to validate that the relationship meant something. And I don't know. That's what I was looking for. I was looking for, no, you're a piece of crap. I I don't know what I was looking for. I I didn't get anything I was looking for. All I got back was an email that said, it is so sad that, that you think that I never cared about you, you know, and it's like actions and words, right? I mean, it was just, it was another victim status type bull. And, uh, I mean, it was, it was, it was stupid. I wish I wouldn't have done it. I wish I would have never hit send on it. Uh, I wish I would have never shared it with Debbie because in retrospect, I mean, it was incredibly hurtful for her because, you know, I mean, that was a slap in her face that are, you know, that I still had issues and a connection with, with the ex. So the thing that really helped me, and it wasn't, it wasn't one of those things that just was an end all be all and fixed everything. Cause you know, that nothing ever works that easy. But the thing that helped me was when my therapist, and I was really circling the toilet bowl at this stage. I mean, I was, I was in the darkest spot in my life. I was not, I was just trapped. I felt horrible. Um, I was completely stressed. Uh, it was affecting my relationship with Debbie. It was just, everything was going to crap. I was going to therapy once a week. I was reading books. I was trying everything I possibly could, but see at the, at this time, I still didn't know about narcissistic personality disorder. I didn't know anything about this. I didn't, had never even heard of the cluster B. I think what happened is my therapist could see that I was just trapped and I couldn't, I couldn't make, you know, make sense of any of this. And what she did one day is she said, Hey, uh, I, you know, I'm going to say this, but, uh, I haven't diagnosed your ex. I've only talked to her once on the phone. I've never met with her cause she, she never would show up, but there's a strong chance that your ex has narcissistic personality disorder. And I remember whenever the therapist said that to me, it actually kind of irritated me. I'm like, really? Okay. Yeah. Throw some other label that doesn't mean anything. And she, you know, she went over some things and I, you know, I wrote it down. I'm like, okay, I'll look it up. And I, and I went home and I typed it into the computer. I typed it into Google. And when the search results started coming up, it blew my mind. 
I finally started to see, and, and you guys may, you know, this may be the same experience you've had when you first found out about this, however you, however you were introduced to it, whether it was through a friend, a therapist, or even just a, a search on YouTube or Google where you, you, why is my ex toxic? Why are they treating me, you know, whatever, and boom, this stuff popped up. And my point is, is that that was the first time where I felt that I started to get closure, where I felt that things started to make sense. Now, it would be awesome if we could get closure from our exes. That would be the best, most healthy thing. If you're dealing with a toxic ex, unfortunately, that is not ever going to happen. You are going to have to basically find closure within yourself. Now, in my story, that was by learning about narcissistic personality disorder, learning about cluster B, and then that whole entire journey of new information, of of reading books. You know, I bought a couple of books. I, you know, read some websites, found uh, early on in, in my recovery, uh, the biggest uh, source of uh, understanding was Richard Granyan's The Spartan Life Coach, which I'm sure most of you are familiar with. Um, he doesn't necessarily deal with situations with children, but it made sense. When he was able to talk about the stories and in his life and with his clients, it made sense. And I finally started to understand what I was dealing with. Now, did that make things change in an instant and make them better? Mm, well, initially, yeah. <laughs> initially, in the first little bit, yes. But not long term. It took time to, to really process this in my head, to really get through this, and to, uh, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? To, to convince myself not convince myself, but to, to have myself really see reality and to detach from the illusion of what I thought the relationship was, what I hoped it would be, the love bombing and all of that stuff, the mirroring and everything that I had latched onto from early on in the relationship to what was real. And a lot of times that just comes down to actions and words. The person can say something to you, but do their actions back up what they're saying to and make you believe it? And 90% of the time, the answer is no. Unfortunately, most of the time, we want so much to believe it that we'll listen to the words and we'll look for those breadcrumbs of potential that it's real and we lom onto that. Now, this is, in my opinion, why closure is so darn hard in these situations. Because you're fighting yourself, you're fighting your own mind, you don't want to believe it, you don't want this reality to be true, and you fight it. You don't want to believe it. You want to believe that there, that, that illusion is true, that this all is a facade, that, that, the, that they're being manipulated by someone else, that they're, that they're I, you know, I went through a phase where I'm like, okay, this, is, this, isn't, this isn't the person that I fell in love with. This isn't the person I was married to. They must be scared about this situation, and they're just listening to other people, and they won't listen to reason. Guys, let me tell you right now, the person you're dealing with today is the person that you married or that you started that relationship before. They're the exact same person. When you take a step back and you look at it, you will see those traits. You will see, and granted, they weren't doing it to you because they were trying to keep, they needed to keep you convinced of that illusion. 
they were still manipulating you so that they could get the narcissistic supply or whatever it was they were looking for, whether it was the attention or the sympathy or the money or whatever it was. But as soon as you are no longer in that role of them needing something directly from you, especially when they realize that in family court, that if they get the upper hand, they're going to get what they want without having to deal with you anymore, right? They'll get your money. They'll get your time with the kids. They'll get your assets and all those different things. And they don't have to talk to you. They don't have to pretend. They don't have to put on a facade. They don't have to to do any of those things they had to do before to keep you in line. Not that they ever really did a very good job, but the problem is, is most of us were so uh, starved for attention that it really didn't take much to get us back on track to get for them to maintain control. So here's the thing. Closure is really important. And if you've been trying to get closure from your ex for a while and you realize it's not happening and you've tried different, you know, whatever, you've tried the emails, you've tried the the one-on-one conversations and and every time you have any interaction you're feeling no closer no closer to closure than you did before then you just have to accept the fact that they're never going to give it to you and you have to find it yourself and part of that is going to be learning about this stuff connecting the dots so that you can prove not prove to yourself but to to, well, I mean, in, in, a, in a lot of ways, it is proving to yourself. It's, it's looking at it going, okay, this is reality. The reality is, is that this person was never emotionally there for me. This person never really demonstrated that they truly cared. Even when there were times where you think that they cared, you can, by taking a step back, you can look at it and go, crap, that was just manipulation to keep me in line then you can start to heal from it. Now, the problem is, is that this really sucks and it hurts. So as you start realizing this, it's not going to be one of those happy times to where you're like, yeah, I got closure. It's going to be a sucker punch and it's going to make you emotional. And I don't care whether you're a big burly man uh, or not, you're going to probably, you know, have uh, have some emotional breakdowns with this. And in, in, and in a lot of ways, you know, you need to allow yourself the time to do that so that you can process it so you can actually start to rebuild your life. Bottom line, you owe it to yourself to give yourself the closure to be able to start rebuilding, like I just said. And uh, that's going to be, you know, there's a, let me back up. There's a bunch of different steps in it, but this is going to be a very critical step to you moving to the next level on this. And once you start to realize that uh, this part of your life, you can start to close it down, then you can start to feel good about what's coming next or even the possibility of what's coming next. And I know when, as I'm saying this, it might be too soon for some of you to really think along those lines. But that's really, really the key on it. Now, the other thing in full disclosure, it still took me uh, a long time to process this. Even when you realize, you know, that what you think or what you strongly suspect that your ex is, I mean, if you're fortunate enough to have a diagnosis, then congratulations. But most of us don't get that. But if you can look at it and say, wow, you know, when I look at this situation, this person fits, fits this target fits these, these little check boxes. Uh, you know, I can't diagnose, you know, you're saying I can't diagnose them, but all these, all these pieces are falling together 
and you start to be able to predict what they're doing and proving to yourself what you're dealing with, then it really starts to change everything. So I, I want to mention the time thing just because I don't want you to think that, well, I, I learned about narcissistic abuse six months ago. I, I think that, you know, I, I have an 80% view that, that yes, my ex does fit this thing, but I'm still not healed. Well, it still takes time. You have to give yourself the time to go through this. So if you're in this process and you, you, you're like, Hey, I've been going through this and I understand this, but I'm still struggling. It, that's not uncommon. So don't, don't look at it and feel that you're broken or what I did in that situation is I was like, Oh man, you know, there must be something else really wrong with me because everyone else is, is healing from this when they figured it out. And, and I have the answers right in front of me and I'm not able to do that. Well, don't, don't do that to yourself because it still takes time. This is a really tough thing to heal from. You're going to have your ups and downs with it. That's part of it. Don't beat yourself up on it and realize that uh, what you're feeling when you're feeling down on this, it isn't going to be forever. Um, I say that a lot because I used to think that I was going to be trapped feeling that way forever. I didn't think that there was a way through it. So so on that, I'm going to wrap this podcast up. I hope that that this discussion on closure gives you some, some things to think about that maybe will help you and uh, give you some hope and keep you focused and keep you moving forward to uh, move through this. So on that, I will uh, chat with you on the next podcast.